opinions expressed in this episode are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Gwen and Mercy Academy High School, Sisters of Mercy, or any related affiliate. And welcome to the Monarch Impact Podcast. I'm Riley Walsh, a senior here at Gwinnett. And I'm Erin Remo Clements, a member of the class of 2012 and the Director of Alumni Engagement. Today we have Kristen Kane Ford here with us. Kristen graduated in 2000 and is currently a partner and director of social media at Kane Partners. She started the nonprofit, the Kellen Ford Foundation, in remembrance of her son, Kellen Ford. Their mission is to raise awareness and support for childhood cancer. Kristen is also on the board of our leadership committee here at Gwen. Kristen also recently won the Margaret Byrne Barger 35 Distinguished Alumni Award service to the school. Welcome, Kristen. Thanks for being here. What is one thing that made you want to attend Gwen and Mercy? I can distinctly remember uh, my visit to Gwinnett and I remember walking around campus and getting to meet some of the students and faculty and I felt like home. I saw myself here. I felt as though I was looking at friends and it was just a natural fit. There was no question or no doubt that this was my choice. That's exactly how I felt when I came on my shadow day. What activities did you participate in when you were here? I had to pull out the uh, old yearbooks just to remember (laughs) everything because I guess over the last 20-some years, clubs have changed. So uh, You were probably involved in a lot when you were here, too. I was. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just a few things, but uh, community service corps, I did environmental club, I dabbled in debate, uh, which is totally outside of who I am, but loved the experience despite like completely failing, but it was, it was a good learning experience, ladies. I did world affairs, respect life, art, and then I played a couple of sports. I did soccer and lacrosse um, for a couple of years. So yeah, busy. I was involved. <laughs> <laughs> Were there any classes or clubs that help you, like helped you decide what you wanted to major in in college? Yes. So as you can see with my involvement. Um, I like to do a lot of different things. I have a lot of interests uh, around helping people and also around the creative arts, if you will. So um, being in the art program, so back then they had majors, so I was an art major, Mm -hmm. which allowed me to have art classes, and that really helped me decide to be a studio art major when I went to college. So I was a liberal arts major with studio art as a major photography as my concentration and then I also really liked art history so I did um, a classical studies major which is a major that I wrote myself and because Fairfield offered a lot of classes I was able to design my own major and then I loved marine science so I minored in marine science so I really when I got to school I took a lot of what I did in high school and made it what I did throughout college. And I had the confidence to do that and, you know, know how to work the system, if you will. And it was great. I was really, really happy with what what I chose. That's pretty cool that you kind of, you got to try a lot of different things when you're in high school so that you could actually have the confidence. 
yes. to know what was going on. And also, I always think it's so funny when I tell the girls that we had majors back then because I was a music and Latin double major. Um, and when I say that, I think the students are probably like, what are you talking about? We don't have majors, but we did. I don't know when that changed, but I'll have to try to figure that out. Yeah. But yeah, we used to have to pick a major after freshman year and kind of stick with it throughout the four years. Um, but so you mentioned you went to Fairfield. Um, what was transitioning from, you know, a small high school, all girls like Glenid into going to you know a university? What was that transition like for you? So for those that don't know, Fairfield was pretty small, 3,600 students um, in undergrad. So it wasn't too big. It wasn't like a Penn State, if you will. But um, for me, the transition was pretty seamless. Um, by the time I was a senior, I was ready for that next step. So I was very much excited for a new environment, to be out on my own, um, and to be honest, to be around boys. <laughs> <laughs> so we won't mince words. That part was exciting <laughs> for me as well. But because I had so many classes and had my hands in so many things during high school, I was excited to really start that that college journey. So for me, um, at the time, my parents were still having babies. So it was hard, that actual transition where my mom was nine months pregnant with my brother, Kyle, who was number seven in my family. And I just distinctly remember my mom making the bed on the second um you know, it was a bunk bed, so it's up top, and I'm like, oh wow, this is gonna be a little harder than I thought. So although I was academically ready, and um, it, so I thought, just that separation from being home, I wasn't as ready for, but it ended up working out really well, and we had lots of visits from the family. <laughs> but it was, it was a nice transition. Absolutely, and was there anything you did during college that kind of prepared you for life after college? Like, you know, what, what did you get involved in there that kind of led you to kind of what you started doing afterwards? Yeah. So, um, when I was in college, very similar to my experience at Gwinnett, like I was always encouraged when I was here to try new things and join clubs and sign up. And I very much did that in college as well. And because it was a bigger environment, I didn't realize how much more was being offered. You know, what I saw and what I did was a lot, but the each year I kept going, I'm like, wait, there's more and there's more. So um, while in school, I think in college specifically, one of the things that prepared me most was the ability to do multiple things at once and have multiple multiple commitments, not just academically, but involved in clubs, um, maintaining um, a, a job. And I also did a work study. So I just tried to keep busy. And that work ethic while in college um, really helped prepare me for life after college. Um, I remember the combination of creative classes and art history classes. Um, yeah. In addition, like being in a liberal arts school, it's more than just, you know, a rigorous um, class schedule. You're also introduced to many other things. So I felt like while in school, I was getting a little bit of everything, which I was able to, when I graduate, start to pick and choose. Oh, well, I remember that. Or it, it was more about, I guess, for me, the ability to manage a work schedule is, is probably the most relevant Although when I graduated, I started um, helping my father start his business. So that was pretty fun. <laughs> I dove right in. So Kristen, we're going to start a business. Are you interested? Sure. Sign me up. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he obviously trusted you a lot. He to did. To be able to do that. He did. And that for me, that experience 
if, if we can shift real quick, um, when I graduated in 04, my dad was starting his second company in staffing and I didn't really know what I wanted to do while I was in college, by the way, I volunteered with my marine science minor at this place called Soundwaters. So it was on the water. It was educational uh, where I got to help students, um, grade school students learn about the sound and go into uh, the watershed and learn about environmental. So talk about high school to college. I basically was sailing on a tall ship in the sound. Like it was the most cool. incredible experience. And when it was time to graduate, they're like, we would love to have you as part of our team. And I'm like, okay, great. I heard the salary and my jaw hit the floor. The cost of living up there is a lot higher than here. So there was just no way financially I could swing it. Yeah. So I ended up coming home and now I'm like, oh boy, what do I do? So when my dad offered the job for, hey, help me start this business, I had no idea, but that was probably one of the best projects for me because I like to be involved in everything. I got to pick furniture. I got to build a website. I got to, I had my hand in everything and it was my father. So he was willing to show me what to do, but then I actually had to do the work. So mm -hmm. it was a great learning experience. And then fast forward, having just recently started a nonprofit, I'm like, here we go again and I'm ready for it. So yeah, it was pretty, pretty exciting. Yeah, got a crash course for sure. Yes. <laughs> so can you walk us through a typical day at Kane Partners? Sure. So every day is different. Although we're doing the same tasks, um, no day is ever the same. So actually I work with my sister, Kelly. Uh, she is class of 03, I wanna say. Yes, 03, we're getting some head shakes. A couple sure. years below me. Um, or no, yeah, 03. Um, and we work together. So we basically share office space, which is a lot of fun. And our day really starts with managing our clients. So what I do is marketing. Uh, we service small to mid-sized businesses, so we're managing their business strategy. We're helping them uh, build out social campaigns, planning events, and basically telling their story to their audience. So when we think about our day and we start our day, it's making sure there are no fires to put out. Assuming that that's not the case, then we dive into what story are we telling next. So we do a lot of planning. We're uh, doing design work. We're contacting vendors and really looking for ways to tell the story that isn't the same as everyone else. So there's lots of coffee and <laughs> there's, there's lots of laughing and, you know, just really trying to, to solve problems for our clients. So that's about it. That's cool. Yeah. You are a self-described social media enthusiast focusing on strategy and planning. What exactly does this mean? Sure. So when I first started, um, so I mentioned my dad had a staffing firm and in 07, 08 is when the market crashed. And that's when all of a sudden social media became popular and people were like, wait, Twitter? <laughs> Ironically, that's a hot topic today. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, tell me about LinkedIn. Tell me about Twitter. How do I use this? So in the staffing business, I started consulting with our, our staffing clients and helping them build their business with marketing, et cetera. So my job started as just social media and just training and education. And then in 2010, when I launched the social division, 
that now is my day-to-day job. So when I'm now talking about the focus on strategy and planning is all these years I was teaching a tool, but the tool was never really brought into the overall marketing. So in our business, we've done this shift where let's take a step back and think about what's your strategy and that story I was just talking about and how do we tell that using available tools. So now everything that we're doing is with a little bit of intention, a little bit of branding, it's more natural. It's, it's that conversation, it's that trust. And at the end of the day, we have to piece it together. And a lot of businesses are missing, okay, well, what are my analytics behind? Was that a successful post? Or mm-hmm. did that event that cost us tens of thousands of dollars really make sense for us? So you have to be able to follow the the storyline and follow the numbers and did that impact business so that's what I'm referring to when you know the focus on strategy and planning is does it align and do we have the right tracking in place to at the end of the day did that actually work so that's really what I focus on now and then I have a team that supports me that helps us with the content the deliverables etc so it's been a nice transition and growth to getting to where I am now Absolutely. So it's kind of that creativity that you've had mixed with a little bit of data and business savvy as well. Yes. And I am the idea person. So it's funny. Kelly and I very much compliment each other. Everything I wish I was, Kelly is. Um, She's very organized. She's task oriented. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what? And I'm over here pie in the sky, these amazing ideas. And she's like, okay, so what's next on our list? And I'm like, (laughs) oh boy, I don't know. That's your job. Tell me what's next. What's next? So she, we very much compliment each other in what we do, but it's allowing me to be creative. And she kind of brings me back to center of, okay, let's be creative and practical at the same time. (laughs) And I was going to ask, what's it like working with your sister? You get along pretty well? Yeah, she's my best friend. <laughs> well, I have good. lots of sisters, but yeah. in, in terms of the work, she's my work bestie and my um, real life bestie too. But um, it's great. And what's nice is it's a relationship beyond a work relationship. So she knows, you know, when to push and when to not and to just be real. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like I wish more business relationships were that like mm-hmm. that. And sometimes when you're in an environment and you know somebody wants to say something, you're just like, it's okay. I'd rather you say it. Like, let's not dance around anything. And we have that type of relationship to be like, yeah, that's not going to work. Or, you know, I don't like that. And, you know, it's Mm -hmm. very, it's easy. That's good. Yeah. And, and speaking of family, um, so you mentioned earlier, you, um, you're, you've co-founded the, uh, Kellen Ford Foundation, which is a nonprofit, um, which is, was created after your son. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what that foundation does? What was kind of the, the start behind it? Sure. So we are a 501c3 uh, nonprofit and are, as you were mentioning earlier, Riley, our focus is pediatric cancer world. So my son, Kellen, was diagnosed with a brain tumor in August of 2020, and he had a nine-month battle uh, before he lost his journey June of 2021. Uh, Shortly before he had died, we talked about, all right, Kellen, you know, what's your legacy going to be? Like, what do we want to do in your honor? And when we started talking about it, he had said, well, we have to raise a billion (laughs) dollars. So there's better answers because we knew his treatment wasn't working. And I was like, all right, he wasn't far off, ladies, because it takes about $2 billion to bring a new drug to market. So I was like, okay, so research. So one of our things is directly funding pediatric research. 
the second thing that we uh, are working on are holistic care happiness boxes for patients to take home with them. Um, in Kellen's journey, his brain cancer metastasized to his spine at diagnosis and then actually spread to his bones. So his journey was very painful um, and very debilitating, especially towards the end. So he really did well with integrative therapies such as yoga, mindfulness, uh, acupressure, aromatherapy, PT, OT, all of these supportive therapies that weren't directly focusing on the cancer, but were focusing on him as a whole. Mm -hmm. So, and he absolutely thrived after all of these sessions. And we're like, wow, like this is the model example of how you can treat an entire person through cancer. So we, with the, a partnership with Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, have curated boxes with Kellen's team inspired by the things that helped him most. So these boxes are now going to be distributed to the patients at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And then also we are looking to continue partnerships with other hospitals to really promote integrative therapies in addition to traditional therapies for cancer treatment. And then our last bucket is end of life care. So getting that terminal news is not easy and it's not only scary, but it's now what? And these are conversations that you would just never as a parent think to have, you know, what, what, what do you mean I have to plan my child's end of life? And what do you mean at home or at the hospital? And what's hospice, what's palliative care? So really advocating and supporting families going through that process. And then we're uh, also working on creating a space for what does it look like for the end of life moments and bringing in visual and audio and into a room and creating a space that is comfortable for the family and the child. So we have a few things that we're working on, um, but that's what we do. And it's all inspired and driven by Kellen's gifts and what he, he has left behind for us. So, yeah. I love it. It's such a beautiful way to honor him. And um, he had a big goal, but I, I feel like if anybody can reach it, it's you. Um, and can you share with um, the listeners how they can support the Kellen Ford Foundation and get involved and, and make sure that, you know, other children have such a positive experience that you're trying to provide for them? Yes. So we are in the process of really building out some volunteer opportunities. So stay tuned in 2023. You'll start to see more for ways to actually get involved. Um, but in the meantime, really what our goal is, is to help with the funds donated and directly go into these three programs. So um, the day we learned that Kellen was terminal was the day that he pulled a mantra card. Now his yoga therapist taught him what a mantra was at a beautiful level for a <laughs> five-year-old and handed him this like deck of random cards. And he picked one that happened to say, today I choose happiness. And talk about a beautiful gift on an hour and a half earlier, we learned that cancer will take his life and he's smiling and happy and with his yoga therapist and they are now talking about happiness and it's like wow that's beautiful so right now we are looking for schools and businesses that are willing to host a dress down day or a happiness day where everyone comes together and donates a small amount of money and then that money can fund one and or all of our projects and in that story 
and that happiness day, we're hoping to share Kellen's story of how despite his you know, short life, but beautiful, short but beautiful life, um, share the ability to choose happiness. So I like to use the E plus R equals O. So event plus response equals outcome. And Kellen was living that. It's a Jack Canfield, um, I think was the one that started that. But I just recently learned about it from one of our board members. I was like, wait a second. So you mean my five-year-old was doing E plus R equals O? And his event was his cancer diagnosis. His response was happiness. And his outcome was truly a life well lived. Okay. Well, yep. I'm now inspired. So we're hoping that that message carries through. And despite whether we're in high school or college or, you know, living our life and wherever we are, we're taking that message of we too can choose happiness, except whatever it might be, but really find some good in there. Because not all bad things are yeah. So happiness days are the easy way. They can donate, follow us on social, and it's not all about money. It's about the message. So if you ever see anything that you want to like, comment, or share, or tell Kellen's story, that's so meaningful to us and all part of the journey and the process. It's beautiful. You have such a great outlook, and thank you for sharing that. So you recently started your nonprofit. Do you have any advice for girls who may want to start their own in the future? Absolutely. So I am in the thick of the nonprofit and I had the experience, keep in mind, of watching my father start a business. Um, He had already done it once before, so he knew what he was doing. I was helping. Um, I run my own marketing division, so I get that. Um, So I came to this with a lot more knowledge than a regular person, so I'm grateful for that. So I want to preface it with that. Um, I will say the best place to start is what is your mission and are you offering programs and or services and really focus on defining what that is and who your audience is. Once you have that together, you can then start the paperwork to be a nonprofit, which isn't as daunting as the 501c3. That's where you're tax exempt and when someone donates money to you, they can write that off on their taxes. That takes a little bit more heavy lifting. It takes more paperwork. It takes you know, some legal help, some finance help, whereas just being a charity or a nonprofit, there's a little bit more flexibility, less benefits for your donors, but um, really it starts with what are you doing and why? And then once you have that, look to your family, your friends, your network, Hey, head to Gwen Enforce. We got lots of friends and helpers on there. I like the plug. And I know, right? <laughs> unintentional, unintentional, on purpose. Uh, uh, that will really be able to help you and guide you and ask questions. Like I will tell you, um, can you help? <laughs> what do you need help with? Well, what's my next step? You know, and just asking, and people will help guide you. Great. So you serve on Gwen's leadership advisory committee. Would you please elaborate on what you do as part of it? Sure. So it's been an honor. I get to watch the magic that happens uh, behind the scenes with Jen Granaccia and the leadership advisory group. It's uh, a group of women that are excellent at what they do at their job. Um, Jen shares with us all of the brilliant ideas and vision that she has, and we really have an opportunity to weigh in on different ideas and how to execute and bring those ideas to life successfully and have the biggest impact for the students. So we really act as 
an advisory or another word might be a sounding board to bringing these these ideas to life so it's it's been a very fun project to watch and then to also see the results of it with the programs that you all have it's unbelievable this is this is a program that I wish we had when I was in school Mm -hmm. and to actually see it and be able to see it from my vantage point it's it's really great yeah it's pretty cool plus then the some of the girls who were part of lead then become because it's a group of alumni right on your committee so then as they graduate they become part of the advisory committee and get to continue their work on as alums as well it's amazing and then it integrates with the internships and the externships Mm -hmm. and the mentorships I mean it's just it is this glue not just for leaders but just getting the community together and to communicate with one another it is it's really really cool so I feel blessed to be sitting on that committee and among everyone I often like will sit in the back I'm like okay yeah this is great this is great and (laughs) you know it's just it's an honor to think that I have a seat at that table so it's really neat do you have any advice for Gwinnett girls who want to participate in the leadership opportunities at Gwinnett but are shy and scared to get out of their comfort zone? Ah, the comfort zone. <laughs> um, I remember that. I remember earlier I was telling you um, forensics, which is like debate mm-hmm. club or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first experience stepping out of my comfort zone. Um, there was a, a teacher, Miss Caruzzi. She was lovely Mm -hmm. and she had said Kristen you got to do debate I was like I can't do this well I did it and I blacked out I don't remember what I did or what I said I completely failed at um, public debate I had to get up and improv and talk about something and that was my first public speaking experience and I'm like okay what's the worst that can happen well what happened to me which was I completely don't remember what I did or what I said I messed up I fumbled and blah 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 and Afterwards, I'm like, I'm okay. I survived. I didn't win, which I didn't think I would, but I did it. And I was so proud of myself for doing it that I'm like, all right, if I can do that, which was my fear, I can do anything. Mm -hmm. So that was the beginning for me of literally taking a baby step out of my comfort zone. Now, my contributions for that club was that one debate. That's all I did. Love all the girls in there. (laughs) But I'm like, it's not for me, but I tried it. And I, I tried it with the intention of I'm going to fail, but if I'm going to fail, I'm definitely going to learn something. And then that was it. So now what do I do? I love public speaking. Mm-hmm. I'm a glutton for punishment. So put me on live television. Sure. Why not? <laughs> yep. But I now realize that it's not going to hurt me, but I'm going to try. So my advice would be take a very small step out of your comfort zone, try something new. And if you don't like it, you don't have to do it but you'll learn something from it and it'll give you that courage again to do something new. So do it. (laughs) That's amazing advice because I know when I came here as a freshman, I was so shy and I didn't want to do anything. And now like I do tons of different things that I never would have expected. And now you're doing a podcast. Yes. (laughs) This is incredible. That's the perfect example. And that first step is probably the scariest thing that you will ever do and if you're afraid to do it alone ask someone to do it with you or somebody that is doing it be like all right will you help me through this because they will and if that person won't ask someone else or tell the teacher look I really want to try this but I'm not sure what to do or what my first move is so 
but I'm so glad to hear that you're doing that and you're doing a fantastic job. So, Thank you. Yeah. Well and done, for Bradley. all of our listeners, Kristen was the one on stage with Angela Duckworth last year <laughs> doing the live Q&A. So she definitely, and I know Angela is one of your kind of, oh. uh, idols or yes. uh, inspirations. And so and when we had to figure out who was going to do the Q&A, Kristen was the first person that came to mind because we knew she was so good at public speaking. So well, I would it, have never known that you were afraid of it. It was all Miss Caruzzi. Yep. My ju- I think it was always, I was a junior or a senior. I forget. But I remember that's one of those moments. Like you remember certain moments in your life. And that was certainly one of mine. Mm-hmm. And now I, I enjoy it. Like I like it, which is great. That's great. Why not? <laughs> so is there anything that Gwen had taught you that you still use today? A lot, actually. A lot of who I am today started in these quarters. And I think early on, it was just the focus on service when I was at school. So that was, what, 22 years ago? I was, oh my gosh, maybe more than that because I graduated 22 years ago. But just the whole focus on mercy and school and sisterhood and just being there for one another. Um, that has happened for me with my classmates now when I went through what I did with my son. Like, girls I haven't talked to in decades showed up for me. Like, amazing. So in terms of teaching, you show up for each other. And it's amazing to see that I get to experience that, but so did all of my classmates. So that was a really amazing piece to be a part of and really helped me personally. Um, Another part of something that I learned at Gwynedd is just the importance of faith. Um, I didn't really dive in too much to my faith, but your Emmaus was my Kairos. Mm -hmm. So to give you an idea, and that really was my first, wait a minute, there's more to faith than church. There's mm-hmm. more to faith than theology. And I, like that was my first dipping my toe, right, out of my comfort zone. And I'm like, hmm, there's more to this faith thing. And it was actually my son, Kellen, before he got sick, that gave me my next piece to that puzzle of what more faith could be. So a big time frame, but I got back what I started here that I was like, that's really cool. So that's another thing uh, for me from a Gwynedd piece. And then the last piece is really curiosity. Like I still am interested in a little bit of everything and Gwynedd provided that and I'm still the same way and I'm still willing to try. Mm -hmm. So a few things I brought with me (laughs) and some really great great friends. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So you've given us a lot of really good nuggets of advice, but what would you say if you're talking to any when a girl, any year, any interest, like what would be the one piece of advice you'd want to give them that they should, you know, take away with them during their time at Gwinnett? Ask for help. Bottom line. I, I just, so while I was here, uh, so first of all, the Catherine Learning Center, so glad to hear mm-hmm. about that. So for me, in school, auditory was one of my struggles. And I don't even know if anybody knew of that, like learning differences wasn't a thing back then Mm -hmm. um but it took me a few years to realize like wait a second I just have to ask like oh okay and what I mean by that is I didn't understand something so I would ask my teacher or I wanted to do something but I wasn't sure my next step like just ask 
And I think all of us could use help in some aspect of our life. And sometimes it's as easy as asking for help. So not only are you getting involved, but while you're getting involved, you're asking for help along the way. So that would be my advice and something you can carry forever. That's great. Yeah. So often as women, we tend to try to do everything ourselves and not admit that we need some extra guidance or some extra some extra help. So I know I can take that advice too, even though I graduated 10 years ago. <laughs> it's advice I still give myself every day. Yep. <laughs> I wish I started the habit when I was in high school so I wouldn't feel that way as mm-hmm. an adult. But yeah. You mentioned that you did a ton of different things in high school and college, but is there anything you regret not doing? Getting involved sooner. I very much, kind of like you you said you were shy at mm-hmm. first, same exact way. Isn't it funny? We kind of come out of our shell a little bit later. Uh, so I just wish, same thing in high school, same thing in college. You know, the first year or so, I was just observing, which I, nothing wrong with observing. But then as soon as I realized what was available to me, where my interests lied, I, I dove in head first. And my one regret at in both instances would have been to get involved sooner and try more things. And if I don't like something, be willing to walk away respectfully mm-hmm. and say, you know what, I tried it. It's not really for me. I'm more interested in this. And giving one, myself permission to do it and two, being able to do it, right? So I wish I did that more because I just, I love everything that I did. I just wish I had more time. Mm-hmm. Like I would go back to, to either just for the academics and the clubs. Mm-hmm. Like that piece of it. There's so much there. So. And then you do so many amazing things, but what is your proudest goal that you have accomplished? Well, besides being a mom, right, I had kids later in life, so it took me a while to get there because I was very much focused on work and all of that fun stuff. Um, but my goals have changed over the years. Um, when I was younger, I wanted to be written on a book. I wanted to be on television. I wanted to um, be published. You know, I had all these little goals. I hit them my whole life. Like, oh my gosh, I did it before I was 30. I did that before I was 35. Um, so they were all great. And I just recently won the alumni award, which I never thought that would have been possible. So that was really exciting. But um, starting the foundation, I think my whole life, I've always known I'm meant to do something. Why else am I willing to speak? I can talk about tough topics, Um, but I never felt like I had a reason or a calling. And I would have never thought in a million years it would have been Kellen, but it is. And that goal of starting the foundation and starting this platform to advocate for kids, um, I think that is now not only um, my biggest accomplishment, but my calling. So I've been waiting 41 years and I got it. Wish it was different circumstances, but that is my biggest accomplishment. Stay tuned because I'll have another goal and probably another (laughs) accomplishment, but that's the best part, right? Like you set your goal, you achieve it, you set, celebrate, set your next one, et cetera. Absolutely. It's where I am today. (laughs) I love it. I love that you use that word calling because yeah, I think it's even more than just a goal you hope to accomplish, but a life mission that, you know, unfortunately happened the way it did, but you can make such a big difference for other people and other families. So very inspiring. And, um, any last words of advice, thoughts, anything about, you know, Gwennad in your experience you want to share with their listeners? 
Um, so I will say one of the advice items that I would leave with is, and I learned this later in life, is done is better than perfect. And I say that because creative mind, it can always be improved, it can always be better, but sometimes just finishing, you can always go back to it later. So for girls that have deadlines, multiple projects, oh, I'll get to that next, I'll get to that next. The more you push off, the more that's gonna compound, the more it's going to stress you out. So start to get things done slowly, move them off your plate, and then done is better than perfect. And if you wanna go back and perfect something, perfect it. So I wish I told myself that, I'm still working on it, but I think that that advice carries through for adults and for high school students. Um, and then in terms of Gwynedd, I would say anyone that has not been back on campus, get back. It is <laughs> amazing. You would be shocked. I love the floors are still the same. Oh, yeah, the red and gold corridors, <laughs> red and gold corridors can never go anywhere. Have not changed, but we're sitting in the counseling center. Um, the labs are beautiful. I mean, it is just, it's great. And then seeing the girls. I mean, I feel like I'm 18 again. It's really funny. <laughs> I, I am not, but I, I love it. It's just trip down memory lane. So if you haven't come back to Gwynedd, make it a point. Get involved as an alum. Nay. <laughs> Alumna. <laughs> no. Nay. Thank just you. a little Latin. Lesson. Latin. I know. I know. <laughs> I should have practiced. Latin major. It's okay. <laughs> <sighs> I'll draw it. you a picture. Yes. <laughs> we'll meet in the middle. Exactly. Well, thank you, Kristen, so much. This has been such a wonderful interview, getting to know you more. And I hope I know every listener on here, you know, will definitely take away some really key bits of advice. So we appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Thank you, Riley. Thanks, Erin. Appreciate it.